Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Hello everyone, welcome to the show. It's a couple past ten, it's 16 degrees, it is blue skies. It is a stunning day to be alive here in the West. And what a weekend it was for sport here in Perth, in Australia, around the world. We have got so much to get through, can't wait to get through it. But our man Daniel Ricciardo did what was the best I reckon for the weekend last night. Did you stay up and watch it? We all did, and we're all very tired today. And a tad grumpy, let me tell you, but we'll get through it. Daniel Ricciardo had his win. The Wallabies bounced back against South Africa. Unbelievable stuff. Well done, Quade Cooper. What a comeback that was. Dylan Alcott has taken out the absolute golden slam. He's won everything possible. Well done to him. And, of course, so much more, including the football that was here on Friday night. Good morning, Chris Clafunas, producer to the stars. How are you, Tim? Yeah, good. Oh, Tim. <laughs> yeah. I'm oh, very good, thanks, Change things up on a Monday? Very good. No, I'm very, very good, mate. And I'm looking forward to the next two hours. And we are here, mm. of course, right through until midday today. And we've got so much to get through. Yeah, heaps. Uh, Jeff Valentine, the coach of West Perth, he's going to have a chat to us Where's shortly. Perth? Where's Perth? <laughs> the very Where's same. Perth? That's what they do, mate. Big win for them. Uh, yesterday. Yep. And then we had the Saturday game, of course, which we broadcast here on SENWA with Tyson Beattie. Hayden Schleuth yeah. from South Frio will yep. join us a little bit later on. Yep. So we've got you covered with our winners from the waffle. Uh, Michael Lom- uh, Laminato, I should say, the F1 yes. reporter. He's uh, the podcast host and editor of the Strategy Report as well. So looking forward to chatting with him about Daniel Ricciardo and everything that went down at Monza. Yep. Yep. Huge Italian Grand Prix. Jimmy Smith, it's all kicking off in the NRL. They touched on that. You heard uh, Alex Riddell's news right there. The Melbourne Storm, Justin Vodsky, uh, of course, very disappointed with the programming. I'm going to put that to Jimmy Smith That th- from NRL Nation. That is uh, – it's a strange decision, but it's very much a Peter Volandi's uh, Melbourne v Sydney decision, I think. And, you know, our game's bigger than your game. Our horse race is bigger than your horse yeah. race. And it just goes on and on and on. Unfortunately – it's the followers of both teams, and in particular the Melbourne Storm in Melbourne, who have a, a wonderful overall following, not just that of rugby league fans, but AFL fans, and they're going to be torn between the AFL Grand Final and a rugby league preliminary final. Yes, looking forward to chatting with uh, Jimmy Smith, Rugby League, a little bit later on, and Brett Phillips to talk about the US Open. So much happening at the US Open. Of course, we saw Daniel Medvedev win this morning, Emma Raducanu winning earlier in the weekend, our Aussies Dylan Orcott and Sam Stoza both getting up as well in the uh, wheelchair for Orcott and the doubles for Sam Stoza, of yeah, course. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Uh, good on your special K. You'll be out there. And zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six is the number, or thirteen twelve fifty five. So much to get through. Just a reminder also that tomorrow night – Stay here for this. Okay. We need to have this. This is our production meeting, on-air production <laughs> meeting. Yeah. You know what tomorrow night is, don't you? Tuesday night. Hmm. Uh, Goz. Uh, oh, is it Goz Lotto? $20 million. Oh, baby. baby. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Yep, we've got your chance to be in Gos Lotto. That's right now. Dave and Julie Rogers down there at Eaton Fair, they do a wonderful lotto ticket. I should be driving down there very soon to get the ticket because they've are they sold 13 Division 1 winners 
Oh, but anyway. That's nuts. I'm going to have to go to my local up here in the hood and come up with a Goz Lotto. So if you want to be in Goz Lotto tomorrow night, 20 million slides. 20 mil. I know. We could buy an AFL team in the grand final for 20 million bucks. <laughs> Rightio, 0487 736 736. I want you to come in it. You've got to tell us who you are and where you are. Who you are and where you are and if you want to be in the syndicate. 0487 736 736. It is seven past ten. It was huge by Daniel Ricardo. It was absolutely huge. It was great by Port Adelaide all season, apart from the weekend where they were terrible. It was great by Geelong, but they were terrible. Melbourne and the Doggies are through. Daniel Medvedev is through. It is so much to get through, so much to decipher over the next couple of hours, and you can be a part of it. But if you want to be in Goslotto, now's your time. 0487 736 736. Shouldn't we have had the day off today? Well, according to the commentary team last night in the F1, they say yes. This is when Daniel Ricciardo was on his way to victory in Monza. It'll be a little bit closer to midnight, I think, in Perth. The time difference is there. But I do hope Australia has stayed up for this. And I do hope whoever you're employed by is either going to give you the day off tomorrow or is going to let you come in a little bit later. uh, Because the celebrations, I'm sure, uh, will be mighty. They were, and they were very mighty for Daniel Ricciardo from Western Australia. It's his first Grand Prix win since 2018. McLaren won two. Astonishing. Danny Rick, he went cocoa bananas as he crossed the line. Ricardo uh, leading for the first time since Abu Dhabi in 2018. On course for his first victory since Monaco in 2018. He left Red Bull, he went to Renault, he's gone to McLaren, he's going to get the victory now. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Lando Norris comes home to make it a 1-2 for the men from Woking. Deep down, I knew this was uh, this was going to come. So, thanks, thanks for uh, having my back. And for anyone who thought I left, I never left. Just moved aside for a while. Thanks, guys. Nice touch. Yeah, stunning. Absolutely stunning, and it really does. Uh, well, it's put a smile on everyone's face here in the West. Uh, There has been some really difficult moments for Daniel Ricciardo. Has he got the right team? Has he got the right car? Is he playing second fiddle to to Lando Norris? Well, Norris has been with McLaren four years. Ricciardo's been his first year, and he guided it from go to woe. It was a stunning race. Very lucky race for Lewis Hamilton, of course, lucky to be alive and not seriously injured after Max Verstappen. He collided, and his wheel, his right wheel ended up on top of Lewis Hamilton, and there was no love either for Max Verstappen. He just walked straight past him. That could have been really, really ugly. But did you enjoy that? If you did, let us know how much you enjoyed it. 13, 12, 55 or 0487736736. Goslotto time. Ben in York. Put me down for Goslotto. Okay, Benny. Cheech is in Avely. Good on you, Cheechy. Kerry Lalich is in Bunbury. What a great name, Lalich. What if, Kerry, are you any relation to Judd, who played, of course, for Essendon and East Perth, Judd Lalich? Uh, let me know if you are, Kerry. I'd love to hear from you. Tractor. Have I told you the tractor story? It's a wonderful story. Have we got a tractor in the house? Here it is. 
This is Tracker in Spearwood. He's in the Goss Lotto. Goss Lotto, Richard from Eaton, Grant from Barra Cup and Mick from Bunbury all in it. And if you want to be in it, 0487736736. million draw tomorrow night. It is Goss Lotto. I'll tell you the attractive story. What happened was I was about to read sport and they used to get the staff to throw in a word that I had to put in in my intro. And they said, just as, and it could only come in the last ad break before I went to air. And they would go, they went, tractor. I went, oh, that's easy. And I went, Sunday's derby between the West Coast Eagles and Fremantle Doctors, uh, Dockers will attract a really big crowd. <laughs> I thought it was funny at the time. 11 past 10. I know, Jeff Valentine from the West Perth Football Club. They got up. They're alive in the WAFL. Michael Laminato, of course, talking all things F1 as well. Jimmy Smith, Brett Phillips talking, of course, US Open. And your calls, 13.12.55. Go nowhere. We're here till midday. It's 16.7 degrees wherever you're listening to our show. We hope you're enjoying it. This is Sporting Goals. There it is. <laughs> Daniel Medvedev Six makes four. his own history at the U.S. Open. His first major title denies the Grand Slam to an all-time great with his greatest performance. Well, first of all, um, I think it's the first time I'm so nervous saying my speech. I mean, first of all, I want to say sorry uh, for you fans and Novak because, I mean, we we all know what he was going for today and I just want to say that I mean anyway what as, as you said what you accomplished uh, this year and throughout your career um, I never said this to anybody but I'll say it right now for me you are the greatest uh, tennis player in the history then I want to I want to thank my team those who are here Dasha, Oliver, Gilles, Francisca, those who are watching Jan, Eric my parents, uh, my family, my sisters, I mean all my friends who some of them are here, some of them are watching this, just uh, thank you guys because uh, it's, uh, it's not an easy journey to win a slam, um, but uh, I'm really thankful to you and uh, for helping me throughout this journey. I want to thank you guys, I mean today maybe was a little bit more for Noah, but that's completely understandable again and throughout the week uh, you gave me you gave me a lot of energy, starting from 2019, long ago. Uh, it helped me till today. It was, uh, was not easy, but uh, thanks a lot, guys. Last but not least, uh, I want to wanna finish my speech on a very sweet note. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a third anniversary um, for me and my wife today. <laughs> and. Uh, you know, uh, during the tournament, I couldn't think of a president or anything. So then, when I went in the final, uh, after semis, I thought, okay, if I lose, I need to, to find the present fast. Um, and when I won, when I won, the only thing I thought, well, if I lose, I have no time to have a present. So I have to win this match. I love you, Dasha. And uh, I mean, <laughs> thanks a lot. Very, very last thing. Only legends will understand. What I did after the match is L2 plus left. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Daniil. Daniil Medvedev, after claiming the men's US Open title, straight sets over one of the greats, Novak Djokovic. Uh, Chris Klopunas has come in because at the end of that interview, he explained to the legends would know what that meant. So to explain to me what he actually said then. It's the what? L2? L2 plus left. 
L2 Plus left. Now, is this something funky or is this something old school or have I missed the boat here? A little bit old school. Uh, only legends would understand, Goss, as you, as you just heard. Okay, go so, ahead then, Chris. Uh, legend, please. Um, so it's the Dead Fish celebration from FIFA. So if you played FIFA, yep. you hold down L2, you pl- press left, and the player, after you scored a oh. goal, just do exactly what Medvedev did. Just lie down on his it was side, basically. He fell flat down, didn't didn't brace him for the fall <laughs> yeah, at that's all. That's the celebration. It's but, mental. Yeah, but it's not on grass. It wasn't on sand. <laughs> no, it's, it's, hard on, it's on hardcore. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a questionable move from him, but still good for all the FIFA heads out there. And I thought it was, it was great stuff. Very much so. Thank you for clarifying that. One You're thing welcome. we don't need clarifying is that West Perth is still alive in the WAFL <laughs> competition. The weekend's finals uh, in the AFL were blowouts. All about, it was great to watch two teams go about their business, the Bulldogs and Melbourne. But we saw two close waffle games. We saw a kick that just couldn't go through for Claremont. that gave South Fremantle the right to play Subiaco. And West Perth now take on the Tigers after a four-point win in front of a great crowd up there at Provident Financial Oval. And they beat Swans by four points. Jeff Valentine is the coach of West Perth. Wow, Jeffrey. Uh, a lot to uh, unpack after yesterday's game. I, I saw the song. I saw how passionate you were about it. It meant a lot to the football club. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, Goss. Yeah, it was a, a great day for the club, actually. Great weekend. They hosted the, the B-grade amateur grand final there on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. 4,000 people through the gate and then to, to back it up on the Sunday. Um, so, no, just a fantastic uh, weekend of footy. It was close. It was various stages in that last quarter that I think when Jeddah put them in front uh, with that bung calf of his, uh, it might have been a bridge too far. And then obviously players going down left, right and centre with injuries and all sorts of things going on. Um, I, I can't imagine what it was like in the coach's box. Were you, were you holding it together, Jeffrey? Oh, look, that's maybe debatable. It's probably not <laughs> my greatest um Strong suit there. Well, look, we're, we're fairly fortunate at the home box there. We sit right next to the timekeepers, so um, at least we, we knew uh, how long we had to go. We had to put that uh, that goal sort of through. That we, there was a couple of minutes to play out, so we figured there was enough time if we could get it right. And thankfully, the, the boys believed that, and they were able to sort of find a way to, to manufacture another goal. One of your quiet players on the day, albeit uh, you know he, he took six marks, I must admit, and had a couple of shots on goal, was Mitch Antonio. When he was lining up for goal, albeit 25 metres out, we did see the previous day, Jared Hardesty, 25 metres out, and slid it to the right and couldn't get the job done. What was your thought processes at that stage? Yeah, look, he's normally a fairly reliable kick, and he, he missed a couple of uh, sort of easy ones, or relatively easy ones in the third quarter. So I was actually sort of just working on the... The, the law of averages there that he was going to be good for, for one of three and, um, and that turned out to be the case. So it was uh, really pleasing for him to, to be that person to, to kick the goal and um, and then obviously for the for the result and the, the rest of the player group and the, the whole supporter base, fantastic. What was the most pleasing aspect of the win? Oh, just the win, I think, Goss, you know. Um, Swans played some really good footy and, and we were never able to sort of really get into a, a good rhythm for any sort of period of time. Um, you know, I thought we, we were, our backs were pulled apart. Um, you know, their midfield was was pretty good. So yeah, look, I didn't think we played at, at, a, at a great level, um, but just to find a way to, to, to get the result. You know, at the end of the day, it's an elimination final, and all you've got to do is win, and that that was probably the most pleasing part. And the seven goal combination of, of Not and Kaitel it wasn't. Kaitel's most dominant performance, but you know, as I said, that when you walk off and kick three goals, and when Keegan Knott kicks four goals from eight kicks, you're probably not going to get better return. 
No, nah, look, they've been fantastic all year and, and really pleasing for both of those boys. You know, Teague hadn't kicked a goal up until half-time and all of a sudden it was on the back of a couple of chase-down efforts and a smother. Um, you know, he got his game going and kicked three in the third quarter to, to get us close enough. Um, kicked that one to put us in front at the start to, to give us some real energy and, and get us moving and then Tyler was able to capitalise on a, a few opportunities as well. Um, you know, you throw Rudy Riddick in there for a couple of goals. Sasha Turner was, was very lively up there. I don't think he got a goal, but certainly had a hand in a number of others. So, uh, yeah, they, they were one of the, the lines I thought sort of took some opportunities because I don't think it was a massive um, number of inside 50s that we were able to generate on the day. Jeff Valentine, our guest from the West Perth Football Club, who now play Claremont in the first semi-final after the weekend eliminating Swan Districts. Um did you watch the Claremont game? Did you go and watch it live? Yeah, yeah, Josh, yeah, I did go down there. And um, that was another great contest, um, a, a real finals game of football. Um, very strong, dominated by fierce tackle pressure. And, um, yeah, look, I felt the crack of hardesty in that, that last little bit. He'd had an enormous day, I think 15 or 16 tackles, and it really mm. willed his team um, to, to get there. And, um, yeah, he would have been bitterly disappointed. But um, no, great contest. And we're looking forward to heading down to, uh, to Claremont Oval this week. When you're watching that game, um, when there were five goals up early doors, third quarter, um, on a fairly low-scoring contest, was your mind as an opposition coach, and I know you're probably going to – you could be telling me something differently publicly, but I'd love the honest answer, Jeffrey, if you could. Were you starting to think, okay, Claremont, do you start putting the pieces together? That's who we could be playing if we win tomorrow, or were you still an open book in regards to that game between South Man and the Tigers? Yeah, look, I, I was gossiping. I've had such even contests that, that you're actually, from my point of view there, you're hoping early days that South Fremantle can fight their way back into the game. And, mm. you know, the last thing you want to see is Claremont be able to sort of put the cue in the rack or the winner be able to put the cue in the rack and, and sort of rest up a little bit in the back end of the game. So, yeah, you wanted to see it uh, be a really strong contest right to the end. And, and then that's sort of thing we've got, I think, the Subiaco boys that I saw sort of rolling through that a bit of the same case. And, and mate, to be honest, with a couple of minutes to go, I was hoping for a draw. I thought, how good is this? I've got to go another 10 minutes. You know, that'd be fantastic. So, yeah, you just want to see him um, cracking all day. And uh, no, look, it was pleasing to be sitting on the on the sort of sidelines there and just watching uh, some good waffle footy. Very true. So now you've got to dust yourself off and go again. And you take on Claremont, of course, on the Sunday. Um, and Subiaco take on South Fremantle on the Saturday. Of course, we hope, well, we know that there's no footy to worry about, and we know that uh, West Perth have got a great supporter base. You'd be asking everyone to make the trip to, to Revo Fitness, to Claremont Oval, to support your group, because it's uh, a great turnout yesterday, makes for a great atmosphere, and it's not as big a venue as that of uh, where you are, of course, up there at Joondalup, so if you can get a big supporter base there, it's going to be a, a, a very noisy place, Claremont Oval. Yeah, look, it is. It's that little boot sort of ground there, you know, I think. 5,000 people would bloody would pack it out. So uh, yep. it'd be fantastic. And we, we did speak about that, how great it would be to see the, the red and the blue. And we'll just keep that theme going with Melbourne, obviously, um, on the flag as, as mm. one. I think the, one of those two teams can keep going. It'll be, be great for football. I see those. Uh, the Melbourne Footy Club were on show. A handful of their players were up there yesterday watching the footy up there. You must have uh, been delighted to see their supporting uh, the red and the blue. Yeah, I uh, more, more for the Colts and uh, uh, young Paddy, Patrick's younger brother was there, so um, saw a few of the Crips family sort of rolling through and then, uh, yeah, May 
Bathurst, but we're there for a little bit now. I think one who's had this time in quarantine, you know, once that once you're released, it comes out. Maybe just happy mm-hmm. to, to be out. But it's no, look, it's been a real um, pleasure to host all the football clubs up there. It's been great to be to watch the depth of business go about their their work on a regular basis. So um, to uh, to watch to build up. Good on you, Jeffrey. We'll leave it there. The line just sort of broke up towards the end, but we appreciate your time. Congratulations on the win yesterday. Congratulations on still being alive for that waffle premiership. And we've said it all year here on Sporting Goss. I think the flag uh, is well concealed and it's now down to four and you're a part of that. All the best. Thanks for joining us. Good luck against the Tigers. There is Jeff Allentine, the coach of the West Perth Football Club. And I do apologise for that last 30 seconds. The line just broke up. But if you're up at uh, Joondalup, you would have seen the, the Melbourne boys. But apparently they're up there watching the Colts, as he said, watching some of the boys, uh, of course, up there at the West Perth Football Club. We had put it out there this morning, 0487-736-736. Tomorrow is a $20 million Goz Lotto draw. Here comes the money. Yeah. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 and your Mully was working on the Collie race course last week. Where are you walk- working now? He said he had a bad weekend on the punt. Always gamble responsibly, Mil- uh, Mully. Um, Brad says, listening in Jero on the app, as always. Can I get into the lotto? How good was it to see Ricardo? Unbelievable, Bradley. Charlie from Hocking, listening on SENWA. Scotty McFarlane. Hello, Scotty from Torquay in Victoria, listening to the show. Fantastic. So we're going to all places today on Sporting Goss. 29. In fact, it's now spot on 10.30. Jeff Valentine was here for, of course, McCafe Coffee. Had one of those this morning, and it was absolutely top shelf. Don't forget, try McCafe's new blend. It's coffee fit for an Aussie. We've touched on Daniel Ricciardo. We'll talk to Michael Laminato. No relation to Daniel Ricciardo. After the 10.30 news about the amazing performance by the West Aussie in last night's Italian Formula One Grand Prix. Time for news. Good on you, April. Nice work by you. Stunning day. People walking past our SEN studios here at Optus Stadium. Blue skies are plenty and everyone's pretty pumped up and it's going to be a hive of activity, especially on Saturday fortnight, of course. A lot to play out in the meantime there. Brownlow medal on Sunday night. We've still got our waffle finals this weekend. Uh, so much to go on before Melbourne take on the Bulldogs and uh, general public tickets go on sale on Thursday. Trav wants to be in Goslotto morning sausage. Some people guilty. You've got to earn the right to call me sausage. You don't just got to get off the top of your head. But anyway, we do appreciate it. Good on you, Trav. Anytime, mate. Thank you for being a part of it. Hamish Blake has been going viral on Instagram. Uh, he's been posting in regards to uh, trying to get to WA. Um, we might go down to him talking to the uh, trying to get hold of the Premier's office. This is Hamish Blake trying to weevil his way over the Nullarbor and here to Optus Stadium for the grand final. Have a listen to the lengths that some people are going to. Hello, is that the Premier's office? Oh, good afternoon. My name's Hamish. Um, got a bit of an interesting one. I need to tell Mark McGowan a secret. 
No, that's okay. I'm not asking to be put through to him now. I, I, I actually need to tell him the secret in person. Well, I can't tell you because it's a secret. No, thank you. No, thank you. I prefer not. I, I do need, I need to tell him. It's a big secret, so I need to tell him in person. Well, no, and I do understand he's very busy. That's why I thought he probably won't have time in the next week or two, and neither do I really. I am going to be in town on the night of Saturday the 25th, though. I could I could see him then in person. Where, where will he be? Oh, will he be? He'll be at the AFL Grand Final. I, that could work. I could absolutely tell him in there, and that's, in fact, the only window I have. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not, do you know how secrets work? I can't tell you. Hamish Blake and everyone's trying to get over. I did text a, a friend of mine who is a mad keen Melbourne fan and a member and said, look, if you're not using your tickets, no response. So I don't know whether they just go to ground and are sick of it and have been inundated. I'm just in the back of the queue. But anyway, uh, you've got to have to fight hard. It might Now that the Port Adelaide and there's, um, the Adelaide fans can't get uh, directly into WA for the grand final, of course, there'll be uh, more tickets available, I'd imagine, to the general public pool, which comes out on Thursday. Keep an ear and eye for it. Beck on the app wants to be in Goslotto. Good on you, Beck. Listening on the app. Well, it's been a tumultuous week for Jamie Carr. She had such a dominant season in the saddle, winning everything, and she was very, very much in demand for the Melbourne Spring Carnival. Big horses, big stables, and she is arguably the best jockey in Australia. But unfortunately, she breached COVID with that uh, jockey get-together recently over there on the Mornington Peninsula. But last night, she did win the Scobie Breezley Medal for the star jockey of the year, the season. And she spoke, and this is her first public appearance, so to speak, talking, and her acceptance speech for the Scobie Breezley Medal was somewhat an apology. Here's Jamie Carr we go to the break. This is the Sporting Goss. It's been a, um, a roller coaster of emotions the last few months. Um, I had such a great season and was on such a high, and um, obviously now I've been suspended from Spring Carnival um, and it had the possibility to be probably one of my biggest one yet so it's um, it's uh, it's you know it, it's been a, a tough few weeks and it's going to be a tough uh, few months to come um, but I'm um, lucky I've got some really really great people around me and um, we'll, we'll get through it and um, look, we'll learn from it and, and hopefully um, I can come back better than ever and more determined um, and like I said, I've, I've got some good people around me, so um, we'll get through it. I, I just wanted to say again that I'm so sorry to the people I let down, um, the owners and trainers that you know have booked me for some rides coming up, the, the faith they put in me, and I've, I've let them down, I've let the industry down, um, my family in particular, they've had to read the, the media and the, the posts that people have been saying about me, and I just I feel so bad for them. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll be OK and um, hopefully we can get through this and come back better. Ricardo uh, leading for the first time since Abu Dhabi in 2018. On course for his first victory since Monaco in 2018. He left Red Bull, he went to Renault, he's gone to McLaren, he's going to get the victory now. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Lando Norris comes home to make it a one Yeah, if you woke up this morning and were shocked to see the result, 
They got a little bit of help with the crash between Verstappen and Hamilton, but it was a go-to-woe result for Daniel Ricciardo and, of course, his teammate Lando Norris filled the one-two for McLaren. And a man who would have been up and about, Michael Laminato, F1 Strategy Report podcast host and editor, Box of Neutrals presenter, sports sub-editor and FIA-accredited journalist. He's all across motorsport and he's been kind enough to join us. Well, we think we should have a public holiday around this result. It was amazing for Daniel Ricciardo, Michael, a stunning result. Yeah, well, I've taken a day off, so that's something at least, even if it's not an officially (laughs) sanctioned one. A really big win for Daniel Ricciardo, not only because it's his first in three seasons since leaving Red Bull Racing, but because he's had a really, as I'm sure you know, dodgy first start to this season, his first with McLaren, hasn't really enjoyed the car, it hasn't suited his driving style, but he had that mid-season break last month, and ever since he's come back, he's got a bit of a different mindset, a little bit of a different swagger about him, he's got a confidence back, and while all these problems are absolutely not over, this was a very big statement, really big punctuation mark on those struggles, and he did, as you said there, only with a real little bit of help from that crash, because even before Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton crashed, he was keeping Verstappen behind him. They'd beaten Verstappen in the pit stops. There's a good argument to be made this race was his no matter what happened behind him, and he absolutely took it with both hands, even scored a point for the fastest lap of the race as well. Yeah, that was an astonishing way to finish. Now, interesting enough, now... We being in Perth and being one-eyed, and I think the biggest audience viewing (laughs) last night, because we had the two hours up our sleeve in the West, which is one advantage as well. But I do believe we weren't worried about a crash. We weren't worried about anything else. What I sat there worried about, and my daughter, who's an F1 nuffy, we were worried that the constant (laughs) pleas of Lando Norris to say, hey, 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 let me go past. But he's been there four years with McLaren now and still hasn't driven a Grand Prix win and now we saw Daniel Ricciardo. I was so glad they held firm. When they said to Daniel, go quicker, he went quicker, and that was enough to hold his front spot, and I'm glad they backed him in. Norris was absolutely the race, the risk in the second half of the race. You're right about that. And it did seem for a little bit that Norris had the pace, and I was a little bit worried McLaren would consider the switch, though it would have been extremely controversial in the circumstance. You'd have to wonder what effect that would have had on Ricardo and, and McLaren's relationship. But it was also clear after that call, he got a bit of a hurry up from the team that he was managing his pace because that fastest lap, as we said, came on the last lap of the race. So it was clear there was performance in that car and performance in him. That This was really a race of just managing those gaps to make sure that they couldn't be passing behind him. Everyone was kept in each other's slipstream. It was a really well-managed race for him. And it was a really all-round solid performance. Michael Abinardo is our guest on Sporting Goss. We're talking about the wonderful uh, performance by Daniel Ricciardo. Now, do we get greedy and think this is going to be the norm, or did Monza <laughs> and the and the uh, the grid setup and the sprint race from the day before did it all just play out perfectly for Ricciardo, or can we be greedy and expect more of this in particular in Russia next start? I think it would be difficult to get greedy from here. I I don't think this is going to become the norm this season anyway, because while the McLaren was right up the front this round, it was still only the third fastest car. The Red Bull and the Mercedes car were definitely quicker. And it was more just that we saw some great qualifying performances from Ricciardo, but then we saw Bottas serve an engine penalty. Mm. Lewis Hamilton had a bad start in the qualifying sprint race on Saturday, which meant he started behind, put Ricciardo on the front row from which he could take the lead. It was really circumstances playing there but podiums will still be on the table McLaren's already had a couple this season before this race victory but what it does do is 
really reconfirmed that McLaren's trajectory since its sort of dark Honda days a couple of years ago now is really strong. And with new rules next year, we should expect that McLaren will be contending for race wins. Nothing's for certain, of course, but this does set them really well nicely for next season. So I know that's not anyone wants to hear, obviously. We've still a good few months until then, but it is a good sign. Still eight races to go in the current season. Max Verstappen's been penalised three grid positions for that incident with uh, Lewis Hamilton. He hit the uh, the sausage ripple strip and then went up onto the back of Lewis Hamilton. Very, very lucky Lewis Hamilton. I mean, that that was an incredible accident and he is lucky not to have been seriously hurt. There was no love for Max, though. He stormed off as though it was uh, Lewis's fault. But uh, the, the, uh, the stewards disagree and they've uh, punished him. Yeah, it's not surprising that Max was found at fault, although I think he could have also gotten away with calling that one a racing incident. Certainly not Lewis Hamilton's fault, not not enough to cop him a penalty, but it was surprising, as you said, that Max, well, obviously he was very angry afterwards to have crashed out of the race, but didn't even really make eye contact or anything with Lewis, who was still in the car and under his car at that. Very lucky, as you said, to have the, the halo front impact structure there to prevent the car from entering the cockpit. Could have been a much worse accident, but... It's hard not to think, even though Max has been penalised these three grid places, which isn't heaps, which is indicative of, again, the idea that there was a little bit of guilt shared there, that he walked away from the winner from this weekend in the championship picture. He scored a couple of points from the sprint race on Saturday to extend his championship lead to five. But this race, Mercedes really expected to win, and Red Bull expected them to win. They expected to be dealt some pain this weekend, and instead they walked away somehow extending the championship lead Russia will probably suit Mercedes as well, but after that, you'd have to say it's 50-50, which means this championship fight is very much remaining within Red Bull's hands. Michael Abinado is our guest. We're talking about that wonderful Grand Prix last night. And last one for you, Michael. Interesting, when we watched that Grand Prix last night, I think going into it, we thought, okay, get in front. There'll be no passing. And we know that Monza is not a great passing track, but there you couldn't. It didn't matter where you looked. There was something going on, good, bad, or indifferent. It was a stunning view. It really was. I mean, Monza, and I think this goes for a lot of the classic tracks, even if they typically don't always provide the best racing for various reasons, usually involving the cars, you do tend to get something unusual happen. You get a little bit of frisson and excitement in the grid, and all of a sudden cars are moving all all over the place. It's clear as well that... This is one of the closest seasons we've had in quite a while, and not mm. just in terms of the championship fight, but really the whole grid is quite close, at least in their various pockets, which means that as we get closer to the end of the season and championship positions are up for grabs, which, okay, we might talk about middle of the grid positions not meaning much, but they mean millions of dollars for the teams mm. and for some drivers, their racing future as well. The racing is getting increasingly hard. So we're really being treated to something special this season in Formula One, and I wouldn't want to predict how it's going to end. And someone just on the text line, 0487736736. I shouldn't go without mentioning Oscar Piastri. What a great performance by him as well. And he he certainly got the the F1 future uh, in his sights in the years to come. Absolutely right. A feature race winner in Monza as well. He's having a great season in F2. His first season in F2 and he's leading that championship. It's hard to see him getting into Formula 1 next year just for the seats available, though he hasn't given up hope. But absolutely right. He is a Formula 1 talent. He's Australia's next Formula 1 talent, and I can't wait to see him join that grid. Thanks for taking our call, Michael. Very incisive, and uh, we appreciate your time here on Sporting Goss. Anytime, mate. Thank you.
Michael Laminato, F1 Strategy Report podcast host and editor, Box of Neutrals, and he's an FIA accredited journalist. We appreciate him coming on our show. Well, are we all geared up for next week? Of course, this week is a little bit of a hiatus. We're a bit of treading waters as the ticket sales and all that. The general public ticket sales go on sale on Thursday. But let me tell you, Sports Entertainment Premiership Lunch is going to be massive. Thursday, September 23. Craig Hutchison and a star-studded lineup of AFL identities and Perth Wildcats star, aren't we, on board with the caddies for an unbelievable afternoon of all-inclusive fine wines, premium beverages, gourmet food and entertainment. It kicks off 12.30 at the picturesque Sandalford Winery. That, this is no local corner pub, let me tell you. This is the Sandalford Winery. Tickets are 330 bucks a pop, but you get all of that. You get the fine wines, you get the premium beverages, you get the gourmet food, you get the entertainment up there at the delightful Sandalford Winery. This is a premiership lunch done properly. And guess what? Bus transfers available. You don't have to drive up to the Swan Valley. The buses will take you there and drop you back. And that is half the battle when you're out and about on Grand Final Eve. When? Thursday, September 23. If you want to go, book now, ballparkentertainment.com.au. All one word, ballparkentertainment.com.au. It is Thursday, September 23, footy stars, big footy names. If you're a Wildcats fan, they'll also be there. It'll be a smorgasbord of food and drink and stars and entertainment or the delightful Sandalford Winery. Bus transfers available. That's a beautiful tick right there. Book now, ballparkentertainment.com.au. A break, back with more still to come. US Open Tennis. Hayden Schleuth is going to join us too. Hayden, of course, South Fremantle. And Jimmy Smith, we haven't forgotten about you, NRL fans. We do have it all covered here on Sporting Goss. It's 9 to 11 on a glorious Monday morning. Stay with us. Four away from 11. We're here till 12. Sporting Goss on this glorious Monday. Thanks for your company wherever you're listening. SEN Spirit, of course, in the southwest, on the SEN app, on a podcast catch-up, wherever. Uh, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Still got your chance to get involved in Goss Lotto. More on that in a moment. Also an opportunity of getting together at the Sporting Globe uh, Belmont this weekend, this Saturday. I'll tell you more about that in the next hour. But uh, something went a little viral over the weekend. It was an Irish game of cricket, women's Irish cricket. And, well, the ball went into the outfield and the rest, well, you've got to picture this. It went a little bit chaotic, courtesy of a dog. Oh, oh, dog. Oh, oh, the dog is the ball. Oh, here we go. Now that is... <laughs> that is brilliant. Now there we go. It's dog a, has puppy, stopped play. Uh, oh, there we go. I think we'll retrieve the ball. It may need a clean. I think this has brought COVID regulations to a whole new standard. Oh, on comes the owner.
Yeah, well, it was hilarious. But the boy chasing the dog, the lead running behind the dog, and then the oh, it was, if you haven't seen it, I don't know, Irish cricket, dog, whatever, Google it on social media. It was very, very humorous. And it was a little bit chaotic. So uh, it was a little bit part cricketish. But uh, very much fun to see. Hey, if you've just woken up this morning, you know that the NFL is into week one. You would have heard, of course, on the SEN app or wherever you were, were listening, of course, the wonderful coverage that uh, Jordan Canellis and also Ben Graham provide on the Monday morning here on the SEN uh, platform. Well, we've got all the scores. So if you don't want to know scores and you've recorded some or you don't want to uh, know the exact scores, I'd suggest you look away now. Okay, if you don't want to know these scores, lock your ears for the next 90 seconds. Seahawks 28 beat the Colts 16. Texans 37, Jaguars 21. The Eagles smashed the Falcons 32 to 6. Chargers 20, Washington 16. Steelers beat the Bills 23-16. The Bengals 27 beat the Vikings 24 in overtime. The 49ers 41 beat the Lions 33. The Panthers 19 beat the Jets 14. 38 Cardinals, they smashed the Titans 13. The Dolphins 17 over the Patriots 16. The Chiefs beat the Browns 33 to 29. The Broncos 27 beat the Giants 13. Also the Saints, what about this for a scoreline? The Green Bay Packers 3, Saints 38. Wow. And the Rams are on their way to a win over the Bears, currently leading 34-14 with three to go. In the last, and tomorrow it is the Raiders and the Ravens. That's your NFL coverage right here, right now. Apparently, it's one of the great AF, uh, one of the great uh, sporting themes. Apparently, zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. If you want to be in Goals Lotto, text us now. Zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. Twenty million dollar draw tomorrow night. You could be in it. Who you are, where you're listening, how you're listening. Ray from Waruna. Show me the money. 18 degrees, glorious Monday, the home of the AFL Grand Final. the noise they make when they beat the Sea Eagles 40-12. to The Melbourne Storm, they get the week off, they now prepare and wait. Their next game, Saturday, the 25th of September, at 5.50 Eastern Standard Time. Jimmy Smith from SEN Sydney is online. Jimmy, they were once again back to their mighty best. What's Craig Bellamy worth, Goss? Um, what's it like? I don't know what he's getting paid by the Melbourne Storm. I think it's a lot of money. I think he's the highest paid coach in the league. He gets that team to a grand final every second year. That's, that's his record. Now he's another... They've played in the last seven preliminary finals. That's, that's, they're one game away from getting to another grand final and they're defending premiers. What, what is Craig Bellamy worth? Because 
it looked like, you know, I thought it was going to be a much closer game than it turned out to be. Um, Tom Trebojevic has, um, he'll win the Dalian medal and, and rightly so for the best player in the league. And yet he was negated and they flogged them 40 points to 12. That's how dominant Melbourne were. They're, they're phenomenal, mate. They are. And uh, look, I did see a bit of kickback coming from uh, rugby league fans, in particular those living in Melbourne, saying, what is it with the NRL to put on the Storm v whoever at the same time that the AFL Grand Final will be on on the TV? It's it's the only team that is going to be impacted and the only time slot that's going to be impacted, and yet it's a huge impact. And, and this is a... Uh, this is a tricky one. You don't want to be seen to be backing down, right? You don't want to seem to be saying, yeah, you're right, our product is inferior to the product that you're offering. But we know that, you know, there's big, there's big TV moments in any given year, and they're every year, and that is AFL Grand Final, NRL Grand Final, three State of Origins, Aussie Open Final. You know, you might get a couple of Socceroos games in there as well if the World Cup's on, et cetera. But, but they're, the, they're the big moment, World Cup Final for a cricket. Um, and, and look, I understand the NRL's stance. I think it's going to be really challenging for Storm fans. And let's face it, I would say 50, maybe even higher than that. 60, 70% of Storm fans also follow an AFL team and therefore they're going to want to watch the AFL Grand Final. Um, if it was two other Sydney-based sides or a Queensland-based side as well, it wouldn't be the issue. But of course, it happens to be the Melbourne-based side when there's two Melbourne teams playing in an AFL Grand Final. Uh, very true on that. Um, I have a sneaking... Is Peter Volandi still involved at the NRL? <laughs> because I've got, a feeling this, I've got a feeling this has got the Everest Melbourne Cup uh, Cox Plate written all over it. Oh, I was going to say, fingerprints all over it, I would say, from <laughs> Peter Volandi. And, and it's... You know, I, I, I do understand... The, the point of view. The worst the worst case scenario for the NRL is that it, it happens to be the Melbourne Storm that are that are playing on that night. And there's there's an argument around. Oh well, we'll just switch it around, you know. But then there's which team gets the most recovery and and all that sort of thing. So there's all those other other points at play. But it's just one of those unfortunate situations, mate. So the finals week one is taken care of. What a corker it was between the Roosters and the Titans. Oh, brilliant game. High drama. Uh, actually, I won't say... They sort of fumbled and bumbled their way through at the Roosters. Um, and to a degree, the, the Titans did the same. But, you know, it goes back to... I remember watching the 2003 World Cup final. It wasn't, it wasn't a great... Uh, it wasn't a great game. It was a phenomenal contest um, that went into extra time. Something similar about this game on the weekend. You know, they didn't play anywhere near their best, the Roosters. You could argue the same for the Titans. Um, but a compelling finish like that gets you on the edge of your seat. No one turns off a television set, so um, it's a cracking game of footy. They'll need to improve on that if they're to beat Manly. That's their their assignment for this week, Um, and they might have a player out, Sam Berrells, from a suspension too, so he's going to be a loss. So they've got a bit to overcome, the Roosters. Talking all things NRL with Jimmy Smith from SEN Sydney, of course. Rabbitohs 16 uh, over the Panthers 10. What did you make of that? Flipped the entire competition on its head. Um, I, I think... You know, we talked about how good the Melbourne Storm were. I think, oh, well, the, the Penrith Panthers are, are the other side and they'll just win the first week of the finals and, and they'll probably win the prelims and they'll go into the grand final. And the performance from South Sydney has tipped the whole competition on its head and put some vibrancy, uh, further vibrancy, into the end of the season. And it was almost like if, if, if it was a tennis match, it was Wayne Bennett 
over Ivan Cleary. He just played him off a break. And to see him almost delight in it in the post-match press conference. And and just a little nugget that he threw in there and said, oh, by the way, remember when Ivan wasn't coaching and he was doing work with the referees? Well, you know, he's still got some mates in there. It was was pure Bennett. Um, And the other thing about it is, too, his team backed it up on the night. They, they defended better than they have all year. They've, they've leaked 19 points a game against all opposition. And against this opposition, um, they got to 10, the Penrith Panthers, after they'd scored an average of 30 each game. So, Bennett, you know, come at the hour, come at the team. And, and of course, that's Wayne Bennett. And the Eels uh, stay alive? Yeah, and uh, I think they were probably a little more dominant than the scoreline suggests. It probably got a little tighter. There was a bit of controversy around whether it should have been a penalty try, and that's understandable as well. But I think the right side won. I thought they were really, really good. Parramatta, Mitch Moses played well. The forward pack was phenomenal. Regan Campbell-Gillard, he just rattled the stadium four or five times, three times in a row at one point, with these phenomenal defensive efforts, some charges into the defence of the Newcastle Knights as well. But, but if, if this game was in Sydney, this is as big as it gets. That We have Penrith up against the Parramatta Eels, the Western Derby, two teams that don't like each other. The fans don't like each other. It would have been a rocking Bankwest Stadium or even ANZ Stadium for this one. Um, it's in Queensland. We're fortunate that it's going ahead, but um, this is a beauty. This is a big, big Sydney Derby. And uh, officer, the, where does the winner go from this? How does that? How does that? Does that cross over the competition now that the Rabbitohs uh, have beaten the Panthers? Does that mean we could see the Panthers taking on the Storm? How does that work out? That's exactly right. Wow. So yeah, they flip over. So so we might get the prelim final will be potentially the Melbourne Storm yes. up against the Penrith Panthers. They'll play the Panthers Parramatta Eels winner. What about this for a matchup too? In light of what happened the last time the Roosters and the Rabbitohs played, if the Roosters get past Manly they will play the Rabbitohs in the prelim final, which is mouth-watering. Wow-wee. So, all right, so we're down to six. Um, so you're tipping Panthers to beat the Eels. I suggest you're tipping Manly to beat the Roosters. You're spot on on both of those. Um, I, yeah, and I think they're just they're just running out of troops. They've, as I mentioned, with Sam Barrels now, they've got all these injuries. Um, Tedesco and Maria Hargreaves and... They've just been phenomenal this year, but gee, you're asking a lot of them. And Tommy T, you know, the great Tom Trebojevic was a little quiet. He didn't have a bad game. He just had a quiet game, and it's all relative to what he's done this year, but two quiet games in a row? That's it, so. Rabbitohs and Storm sit and wait. It's going to be an intriguing couple of weeks. Now, I know you're a rugby league man through and through, rugby league. Now, I will ask... How good was Quade Cooper yesterday? I know it was on the Gold Coast. It was nowhere near where you are. But has it commanded plenty of headlines on the East Coast? Because even I got sucked in. I saw the Wallabies play New Zealand the week before here at Optus Stadium. And it was so bad and so boring. Uh, And then they produced this Quade Cooper-esque performance. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It was the Philip the Sport needs. It's it's amazing, isn't it? What a... um... What an interesting character he is in Australian rugby. I, I, I would suggest that there's a there's a an age bracket of kids who follow rugby in Australia, and every second one of them, Quade Cooper was their favourite player growing up. Like like he's that type of player, the Benji Marshall type player from a rugby league perspective. He's just he's phenomenal. I've, I've actually met him a couple of times. I've got a, a very strong mutual friend, and so you know you follow these guys very closely. For him to be able to do what he's done. 
Like this is this is not against Argentina. This is not against Fiji. Mm. This is the world champions. This is a South African side that's very very strong, and he's come out and. You know, it's not the quote of old. It's physically, he's, he's he's not quite what he was at when he was 25, which is totally understandable. But just confidence in his ability, get the job done when required, and just that level of confidence that mm. I think the Wallabies have lacked. You mm. know, the the belief in themselves. He gives it to all the teammates. It's it's inspired from Dave Rennie. It's yeah. the changing of the narrative. Um, and I just hope that he stays there for a game against the All Blacks. Yeah, very true. I agree with you. I just think there was some flair that we haven't seen for a long, long time. They tried to play it safe, but uh, I thought they played with a bit of free spirit and a gay abandon for the best part of a comment to be made. Appreciate your time. Love chatting Rugby League, and thank you for your insight in regards to the Wallabies as well. And we will do it again very, very shortly. Anytime, Timmy. Have a good one, Jimmy buddy. Smith, SEN Sydney. You can hear him, of course. We'll do the follow-up on the SEN app. He knows all things. He's a very entertaining man and knows his stuff. This is Sporting Goss. He said it's not all about the rugby. He just wanted to be a better version of himself. Or can he have the best of both worlds in 2021? Quade Cooper for the win. It's on its way. It's on its way. It's good. Wade Cooper is the man. 18 past 11. Thanks for your company here till 12 o'clock, of course. Just a reminder, too, the Jones boys, Bunbury, Kia, won't they be up and about for the Southwest Footy Grand Final this weekend, of course? And great people, amazing cars. They'll also be up and about for selling and giving you the best deal down there at Jones Boys Bunbury Kia. They love their sport and they're great supporters of our network, SEN. Also, we've got something special for you. This Saturday, I want you to join the team at the Belmont Sporting Globe in Perth, right here in Perth, of course, over there in Belmont, not far from where we are right now, for SEN Track Finals Week Launch Party. We'll have a special guest throughout the day. We'll find plenty of winners. Hunters Club, a lot of fun. $100, you can join the team. Food and drinks included for the day. Now, to secure your spot, go to sen.com.au forward slash SEN track. Now, I know there's a heap, heap of Gostradamus fans out there who follow the horses and like to have a little wager. Always gamble responsibly. That's sen.com.au forward slash SEN track. It's going to be a huge day. Saturday, the Belmont Sporting Globe SEN Finals Week launch. As I mentioned, for a hundred bucks, you could join the team out there. Food, drinks, punters club, plenty of winners, and have a whole lot of fun. Sen.com.au forward slash Sen Track. Get onto it. If you keep listening before the end of the show, might have something special for you. But get on and book now. Sen.com.au you. 20 past 11. We spoke about Quade Cooper's exploits for the Wallabies in their upset win over the Springboks. Coach Dave Rennie and Captain Michael Hooper were very matter-of-fact about the Wallabies' win yesterday on the Gold Coast. Well, you took a big risk, Dave. You're quite happy with how it turned out tonight with a certain selection at Whitehouse? Yeah, look, we didn't think it was a risk. Um, yeah, he was close to starting the week before. Um, so no, he into it. He um, he's been fantastic since he's come in. He's contributed massively uh, to discussion, to training, and 
you know, based on form, it was, it was hard to leave him out. So uh, I thought he was massive tonight. Yeah, oh, look, I think, yeah, just confidence and experience made a difference. You know, we uh, we didn't want to overplay tonight. We're playing a team that doesn't want to play with the ball. We had to be prepared to kick him a bit of ball back. And, um, yeah, so, like, he, he had a big part to play in that. Did you sort of have to break him on, I guess, how much leash he had? Because Greg, he could be throwing 40 metre cutouts if he wanted, but he obviously looked like he was keeping it pretty short. Yeah, oh, look, I mean, we've got to structure how we wanted to play. I, I, you know, I thought he was excellent. He implemented things really well. He was really clear, you know, so, um, you know, I credit to him. He's... Um, He's uh, got his detail down and um, able to implement under pressure, you know, gets the, the world champions, a uh, hell of an effort. Uh, Michael, was it um, at the end there, was the choice between Quaid and, you know, Reese because of the, because of the um, what's the same distance? Was that why there was a bit of, you know, talk about it? Yeah. Yeah? So, and, and what, so like, you know, because he kicked from 40 to one, to one sort of, you know, just before that, you know, he went, it was okay? He was really on song with his kicking, so, I mean... Had a chat with Dave after the game and sort of thinking the same things. You know, he the comment was made; it was sort of the edge on on his edge, but then he pumped it another 15 metres. So I reckon he's got another 10 or 15 on his. Uh, he let the club go on that one. So um, yeah, it was really pleasing. And yeah, I mean, we've got Hodgie there who can bang it another 10 metres further. But um, you know, a big time player and big game player, and Quaid stepped up and nailed it for us. What did it feel like when him out there tonight? Did you notice? Presence, I, guess. I thought he was calm and um, making good decisions around game calling. Um, you know, when the ebbs and flows of the game came, he was uh, a really good um, sort of person to call on to give us a bit of direction and, you know, send us in the right uh, right path. So, no, it was uh, really pleasing to have him out here. Um, and a great story for him. Huh? I'm just so happy for him that um, he's able to have a game like that uh, for Australia. Michael, um, just the... The intensity tonight was a different type of game that you've been playing against, you know, like, different to how you were playing against the All Blacks anyway. Australia scoring one try, conceding three, normally a lot of fans wouldn't be celebrating that, but it was a totally different field tonight. Yeah, no, we are smart. We we got down to their zone and we took points a couple of times. We built a score there today, um, you know, it came down to the wire, which... I think um, a lot of games tend to with um, South Africa, you know, in the way they play. So I think we've got a lot more in us, hey, in the way that we can move the ball around and, um, you know, receive some of their kicks and what we can do to try and manipulate them. So uh, what we know is that um, when we go into next week, it's going to be, you know, a level up again. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll savour this one for the moment. There's some great stories, you know, a couple of 50s, a, a debut there tonight and obviously Quaid. So we'll enjoy this and then, you know, six-day turnaround, got to get back on the board. Captain Michael Hooper from the Wallabies and Coach Dave Rennie after their upset win over the Springboks on the back of Quade Cooper after the final siren nailing the victory. 24 past six. Let's get back. Let's talk waffle. Oh, shot after the sirens and win the game for the Tigers. Can he do it? Well, wow. judging by Todd Curley thinks he's going to kick it. He's taking off his headphones and walking down. He's got every chance to kick this goal and send the Tigers into a second semi-final. Can he do it? It's across the face, one behind. The Bulldogs hang on for a one-point win in the qualifying final. Heartbreak for Jared Hardesty, heartbreak for the Tigers. And at the end of this one, South Fremantle has won 9-11-65.
to 9-10-63. Heartache for Claremont, of course, on the back of that miss after the siren, but rejoicing Saffromantle through to the second semi-final to take on Subiaco. One-point winners in another nail-biter. On a great weekend for WAFL footy, and Hayden Schleutz has been kind enough to join us from the Bulldogs. Well, you've had a couple of close ones with the Tigers, uh, Sleuthy, and that's uh, that was pretty sweet for you on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, we've had some um, yeah really intriguing battles over the last um, probably two or three years, especially um, yeah come finals time, and yeah that was the same on the weekend. So um, yeah, obviously um, great result for us, and yeah obviously heartache for um, Hardesty and for Claremont, but um, yeah, I'm sure it's a cracking um, game of footy for everyone that was there to watch. Yeah, no doubt. Now, at one stage, you were down by five goals uh, early in the third quarter. What turned it around? Yeah, um, obviously, um, yeah, we hadn't had the greatest of starts, and um, yeah, the same happened. Uh, I think they kicked first to the third quarter, which made it five goals, and um, yeah, we were getting smashed around the ball, so um, after that point, I think we sort of went to work as midfielders and were able to get the ball forward and, um, yeah, we're able to hit the scoreboard, which was pleasing. And, again, just to uh, win that sort of close uh, game like that, where were you when Hardesty was lining up for goal? I was actually um, standing probably five metres behind the man on the mark. So, um, yeah, I had a pretty good angle of it. As soon as he kicked it, I sort of turned around and seen it fading right. So, um, yeah, I could tell pretty early on that it wasn't, it wasn't going through, which was pleasing. What were you thinking at the time when you were standing on the mark? Um, I, I, the siren went, and I suppose um, he kicks it, they win, he misses it, we um, we win. So, um, yeah, I don't know, really know what was going through my head at the time, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I, yeah, I was just um, yeah, pretty happy to see it drift right and um, go through the points, yeah. Yeah, he had a big day, uh, hardest as well, 26, dispos- 26 disposals and 16 tackles, so... Uh, it wasn't to be. You couldn't put the icing on top of the cake. How's the recovery been? Of course, you've now got to focus on taking on Subiaco, who sat and watched that. Um, and that was a pretty gruelling affair for, for the game against Claremont. So it is all about recovery, yeah? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, this time of the year, it's all about um, the little things you can do to get your body right for the following week. So, um, yeah, head down, was down at the beach yesterday morning. So, um, yeah, obviously reviewed um, last week's or Saturday's game tonight, and um, yeah, we look forward to Subi on Saturday. I mean, one of the bonuses that you received was uh, was Matthew Parker's inclusion. Now, he didn't have a massive day by any stretch, but wouldn't have been easy sort of coming straight back in, 13 disposals. He did kick a key couple of goals as well. Did that take time to, to settle in and net that all back together, or did he fit in like a hand-in-glove, Matthew Parker? Yeah, I think he fitted in hand in glove, but um, yeah, obviously you're right. He's probably been he's been sitting around for a couple of weeks, so it's probably only going to take him a little bit to sort of get back in the knack of things. But I thought he was um, yeah, extremely dangerous. He set me early. It looked like he was going to tear the game apart. And um, actually, when we did start that comeback in the third quarter, third quarter he did kick um, two goals in the space of five minutes. So um, I think he did have an impact on the game and. Um, no doubt he's only going to be better for the run this weekend, that's for sure. Of course, you take on Subiaco. Um, obviously, they, as I said, they, they watch that. They're not absolutely firing on all four cylinders. You must like your chances. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah obviously, everyone knows how well Subiaco are, they're about how well they've been going over the past 10 years or so, and that's obviously been no different this year. So um, they finished on top of the, the ladder for a reason. They've been the best side um, all year, so... 
um, yeah, if we come out like we did on the weekend, we'll get our pants pulled down. But um, no doubt the boys will be um, fired up and looking forward to the clash, that's for sure. Yeah, very much so. And earlier in the season, of course, at Leaderville Oval, where this game will be played, they certainly got hold of you. That was probably your worst performance for the year. So uh, a repeat of that, and you probably got no chance of winning. But that was that was an, abnorm- an anomaly inside your season, that performance. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, they absolutely pulled our pants down that day. So, yeah, one of those um, days we sort of like to forget about. But, um, yeah, um, if we come up with that sort of energy and effort and that again this weekend, it'll be the same result. But, um, yeah, I no doubt the boys are um, pretty pumped after the last weekend on oh, Saturday's game. So they'll be here. Definitely looking forward to um, revenging um, what happened during the year this La- weekend. Yeah, sure. last one for you. Hayden Sleuth, our guest from the South Fremantle Footy Club. What was the message from Todd Curley straight after the game? Um, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you got don't, me here. Don't, actually, don't, no, don't tell me um, you weren't listening. No, of course I was. No, he said uh, it was pretty proud of the boys, and um, obviously um, to be down by whatever it was, third goal, uh, five goals, whatever, showed um, a lot of resilience and will to turn things around. Um, it obviously wasn't all going to plan, but um, we found a way to win, which is probably the most pleasing thing. Very true. Hey, congratulations on the win on the weekend. It was a an amazing contest. The Waffle Finals were both sensational as opposed to the AFL games, which were massive blowouts. Well played. Good luck in the second semi against Subiaco, and I'm sure we'll chat again through the finals campaign. Thanks for joining us on Sporting Goss here on SEN. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. There's Hayden Schleuth, who is an outstanding player, and he's a key component to what South Fremantle does. And they got up, and uh, the Claremont had their chances, but South Fremantle stuck to their task and got the job done. Hayden Schleuth from the Bulldogs. This is Sporting Goss. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money yeah. talks. Here comes the money. That news break was thanks to McCafe Coffee. We've knocked a couple of those today. There's a couple more to come. You want to be in Goz Lotto, now is the time because tomorrow night is a $20 million draw. 0487 736 736. Kerry, yes, you're in. Phil from Bustledon living on, listening on 621 SEN Spirit. Good on you, Phil. You're in as well. And thank you, Mike. He went to the Sporting Globe on the weekend and loved every minute of it. Good on you, Mike. A, a wonderful supporter. Just a reminder, you can... Uh, Get across there. Get onto SEN, uh, sen.com.au forward slash SEN track and book your ticket to the finals lunch launch at uh, the Sporting Globe Belmont on Saturday. Looking forward to that one. But to book your ticket, food, drink, punters club, the whole lot, get onto sen.com.au forward slash SEN track. Well, Ronaldo, he made his return for Man U. Well, he returned scoring, put it that way. He was unbelievable. He was pretty nervous. This is what he Look had to say post game. I mean, how much do you appreciate that? What does that make you feel coming back here? Well, it's unbelievable. I just, when I started the game, I was so nervous. Really? Yes, yes, I swear. And, uh, but I think it was, it was normal because I didn't uh, expect they, they sing all game to my name, so I was very nervous. But I, maybe I didn't show. I didn't show, but I was. But it, as I said before, the, the reception is, is incredible. But I'm here, I'm here to, you know, to win games, to help the team and to make the club Cristiano Ronaldo, he scored twice. Chris Clafunas is our soccer aficionado. Well, he's not, but when we've got no one else, he comes into the studio <laughs> at 26 away from 12. It was a big weekend, and uh, I know we touched on it this morning with Gillian Goss, but you've got the uh, the results, and 
you might probably, if you want to touch on a couple of those other little bits and bobs and work our way through it, thread through the uh, Premier League. Sure, let's uh, let's take a look at that one first. Ronaldo, as you mentioned, scoring twice uh, in the or just towards the end of the first half. In fact, in the forty seventh minute, and then again after Newcastle had equalised, he scored after that. And then it was Fernandez and Lingard to seal the deal. But it took a little while. It took until the um, the 80th minute for them to kind of really get that sealer, Manchester United. But it didn't really look like they were in any trouble. And as you heard there, the fans were just singing Ronaldo's name all game. But a good result for Man U, 4-1 what, over Newcastle. What happened if he would have turned around when he was doing the interview to turn around and said, shut up? <laughs> right, they would have shut up, I reckon. You reckon? <laughs> yeah. Does he hold that much power? In the palm of his hand. Oh, he sounds like rough and a dull to me. But he, he does a little bit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, good to see him back if you're, uh, if you're a Manchester United fan. Especially, there was a lot of talk, talk about him coming back saying they don't need him. He's not what they need. They're spending a lot of money on a player that's going to unbalance the team while he's coming in. Almost proven the doubt is wrong immediately, but still it's a long season. So we'll see how he goes. Uh, as we mentioned earlier this morning, Patrick Vieira got his Newcastle rain off to a great start. 3-0 win over Tottenham with Crystal Palace, as I mentioned. So Tottenham picking up a red card in that one as well. So uh, not good news for Spurs fans, but uh, great news for Palace. Wolves, they beat Watford 2-0. Brighton beat Brentford 1-0. Uh, Arsenal... Got it done. Come on, you Gunners. 1-0 over Norwich. Their first goal of the season. Really? <laughs> yeah. Had plenty of shots, though, which was nice. Getting the core team back. So looking good. Should win the league from here. Southampton, nil all against a 10-man West Ham United. Man City, a good win over Leicester. So 1-0 there for Manchester City. Leicester, a hard team to beat, especially away from home. So Pep Guardiola will be pretty happy with that result. Chelsea, 3-0 over Aston Villa. It was a result everyone kind of expected. Chelsea looking like one of the best teams in the competition this season, if not the best team, with Lukaku up front. Last night, Liverpool beat Leeds 3-0. Red card for Leeds. Plenty of red cards in the... uh, in the Prem over the weekend. Now, and now, tonight we see Everton take on Burnley. Okay, so the neighbours of uh, of Liverpool. Mm. Is that right? Uh, now, I, I, I need some stand corrected, but a mate texted me. He said, if you take out the, the plus two of the Mane goal, because it was two minutes in extra time, I think, or injury time, whatever, yeah. he scored in the 90th minute. So it was 90th minute plus, right? Fabiano scored in the 50th minute. Uh, yep. Uh, Struzic or Pascal Struzic, whatever he's known for Leeds, scored in the 60th minute. Uh, and, he got the red card in the 60th minute. Oh, sorry. It was a red card. Sorry, that one 3-0. Yeah. Red card. Uh, and uh, Mo Salah scored in the 20th. Correct. So everything was smack on. There was no 21st oh, yeah. minute, 51st minute. I mean, yeah. he, he, you know, he said Mane was the, Yeah, I know. I know. Look at that. Hey, I've got stats. I'm the king. I've got friends in home. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my stat. I'm just passing it on. It's good, though. So, yeah, Salah scored in the 20th, Fabinho in the 50th, Mane in the 90th, 92nd, but we'll count it as the 90th. Well, it's count as the 90th, you know. Yeah, because then it's continues on, but it's really the 90th. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I see And Strick uh, in the 60th for is the red card. Of, for the sake of the argument, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, can you run me through the leaderboard, please? I can. So Manchester United do sit on top of okay. the table They haven't the lost, moment. have they? They haven't lost. They They've... haven't lost. Chelsea hasn't lost and Liverpool hasn't lost. Correct. They've all won three, drawn one uh, between wow. them at the moment. So they're all on 10 points apiece. Uh, United on top on goal difference, of course. Man City sitting in fourth because they have lost that one game. Then it goes Brighton, Tottenham are sixth, West Ham, Everton, Leicester, 
Then Brentford sit in 10th. Crystal yep. Palace just behind them in 11th. Yep. Aston Villa, Wolves, Southampton. My God, still haven't got to Arsenal. Watford, there they are, the Gunners, in 16th. We're out of the relegation zone. In fact, one of the players, Pepe, did put up a cheeky Instagram post saying, we are staying up <laughs> to get a win. <laughs> and I think his social media advisors got to him and uh, told him to delete it quick, smart. Even though I thought it was good. It's nice to see that kind of personality Correct. from a player. But uh, they didn't like it uh, at, uh, at Arsenal. So he was told to delete that. But... Yeah, 16th for Arsenal, Leeds in 17th, Burnley, Newcastle and Norwich are all down in the relegation oh, zone at this stage. So Arsenal beat Norwich 1-0. Yes. Oh, and who Oh, Nor Oh, Norwich are last. Yeah, yeah. And they haven't won a game. No. They've scored one goal, 4 and 11 against. Yeah. That's who they beat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're you can safe. only beat who's in front of you. Yeah, you're staying up. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Get around us. All right. This is when the unbeaten streak starts. 21 away from 12. We're going to talk tennis next because Brett Phillips is going to join us because we have a new, a couple of new champions, major champions. More on that in a moment. This is Sporting Goss. It's 18 degrees on a Monday. There it is. <laughs> Daniel Medvedev makes his own history at the U.S. Open. His first major title denies the Grand Slam to an all-time great with his greatest performance. Stunning performance it was. A straight sets win to Daniel Medvedev, of course, uh, the second seed over the world best Novak Djokovic. Thanks to B Solar, where you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Learn more about better solar energy by visiting B.Solar. Brett Phillips, that was clinical by Daniel Medvedev. Yeah, I think clinical is a great word, uh, Goss. Uh, yeah, he, he was magnificent. Executed a game plan today. There are ominous signs, uh, Goss, probably from the opening game of the match when he broke serve, that he was going to be a very tough opponent uh, for Novak. Certainly, this is the first time I can remember a New York crowd uh, being totally for, for Djokovic. You know, cries of Nole all around Arthur Ashe Stadium for the majority of the match, willing him on to create history on their soil. But, yeah, well done to Daniel Medvedev. He is uh, the Iceman, really. He's not one to show... A lot of emotion. It's a small team that are with him. His wife, Daria, Jill Savari's coach. He's got a psychologist. As you can see, a lot of empty uh, spots in his uh, player box. And he just played Djokovic at his own game today. He's a great baseliner for a guy. 6'6". He moves exceptionally well. And I suppose we'll never totally know, Goss, but there had to be some fatigue with Djokovic. Uh, you know, just the mountain of work he's done this year to win 27 uh, straight in the majors, which we never thought would probably happen again. The guy trying to win a calendar slam in the open era, considering the depth of talent and the and the physical nature of the game. And he just couldn't find any ends today. I mean, certainly in that third set, Medvedev a couple of times, double faulting, trying to get to the finish line. Crowd was willing him on to hang in there, but in the end, he was beaten by a guy who was just uh, too good. Third time's the charm after a couple of finals and there'll be more to come for Daniil Medvedev, that's for sure. Yeah, well, that's the next question. I mean, is this, I know it's, I don't want to be too dramatic and the like, but is this the, the beginning of the changing of the guard, the genuine changing of the guard as to a bloke that can now go on and win more slams and maybe it's not going to be the same three that we've seen who have inundated the, the, the Grand Slam uh, winner's sheet over the last 10 years? I suppose the only the, the major question going forward, Goss, is 
the health and well-being of Djokovic and no doubt he'll have a, a pretty good rest now. I mean, he he's all about the majors. You know, he'll be turning 35 next year. He doesn't need to be playing all of these Masters 1000 events. So I think he might skip Indian Wells at the start of October. So he's got probably a two-year window to be still at a really, really high level to, number one, get past Roger and Rafa and then to try and extend that. But then he's also dealing with these guys who are another year older. So Medvedev and Tsitsipas, Zverev, Berrettini, Shapovalov, we saw Felix Auger-Aliassime make the semis. They're ready. They're ready to come and to take on Djokovic. So the equation's going to get harder, I think, for him to just roll out Grand Slam after Grand Slam. Uh, I think Rafa... We don't know what's going to happen, whether he's going to be even fit to play the Australian Open. So it's still going to be a very limited schedule for Nadal and, and Roger, unfortunately. I mean, he's just about done. Whether we're going to see him midway through next year, maybe play one more Wimbledon, a try. But definitely the next breed is going to be certainly taking over in the next couple of years. Well, it seems to have started on the on the women's side of the draw too. That that uh, women's final, of course, the teenagers, oh. Radakanu, uh, unbelievable to watch. I mean, what's yeah. next for her? I mean, you know, she's she's gone from a six four six three, of course, over Layla Fernandez, but she went from having that moment where anxiety got the better of her against Ash Barty to just being simply amazing, simply amazing <laughs> in in the U.S. Open, and we can't describe it any other way. I still can't believe it. I mean, this is like, you know, probably the Gold Coast Sun just popping up out of nowhere and winning the Premiership, guys. Yeah. I mean, this is this is this Leicester is phenomenal... City all over again. Exactly. So we didn't even, you know, we didn't even factor her in, even though she made the fourth round of Wimbledon and got the wild card. You're thinking, okay, she's riding the wave of emotion. We don't expect her to back it up in the next slam. Then she no. goes into qualifying, wins three tough matches. Win seven in a row. I don't. I don't think the quality. She was playing top five tennis by the end of the U.S. Open, so I don't think it's going to be a flash in the pan. But there's no guarantee she'll reach those heights again. But very, very marketable. Layla Fernandez, very, very marketable. Two young girls who were as impressive off court with microphone in hand as they were on court hitting forehands and backhands. So, what a story! Uh, I mean, we love seeing history made, but to come from qualifying 330 in the world two and a half months ago to world number 23. I've never seen anything like it in the time I've watched tennis, but good luck to her. And the youth, yeah, the girls have... Well, anyway, so the girls, don't they mature before us boys? So we're, we're seeing a three, nine, three 19-year-olds in, in two years have won the majors, Andrescu, Sviontek, and now uh, Emma Raducanu. Did you like this one? The uh, Professor Claire Hopkins, who put on Twitter, three months ago, my daughter and Emma Raducanu were in the same maths class. Since collecting their A-level results, one has broken all records and is set and has won the US Open, or set to win the US Open. The other has broken her wrist whilst crowd surfing at a festival. It's a proud parenting <laughs> moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, this is it. I mean, she did miss. So she only played two events last year because... Her parents weren't keen for her, to, certainly to travel, even when players could through the COVID period. So it was all about getting school done. And then she reappeared three weeks before Wimbledon after not playing an ITF event for about 15 months. So, yeah, when you when you file back through the, the whole backstory, it is uh, quite extraordinary. 
Where to, I mean, what, what does she do now? I mean, the, the expectation on her, and we've seen what it's done to Naomi Osaka, and I know we're watching it from a distance. She's only 18. Has she got good people around her? She sounds like, she looks like she's from a really strong, focused family group who are very much uh, hard work, never killed anyone. Um, how do you think she's going to go in, in, in light of now that, of expectation and focus? From what I've seen, Goss, with the interview she's done over the last uh, fortnight, uh, she seems like a, a really uh, well-put-together young girl, just mentally. I mean, got a really experienced head on young shoulders. And you're right, the team in tennis is so important. So important. This is why, you know, with Nick Kerry, I'll stare, I'll say his name, but if you don't put a good team around you, you can't keep that focus, the discipline you need, the grind and go week in, week out and compete and keep yourself grounded as well. And look, no doubt, whoever the team is managing her are going to be dealing with a lot more off-court requests to be the face of this, to be the face of that. And I think Chris Chris Evert summed it up beautifully on the weekend, who's been there and done it at a young age and said, I hope those people just allow her still to be a teenager, allow her to still have a normal existence, you know, her friends outside of tennis, have that balance enjoy the ride and not all of a sudden be swamped in dealing with off-court stuff. So maybe they will have learned a bit about, you know, the whole Osaka journey and maybe it's a bit gone a bit too much the other way. Wait and see. She seems like she's well-equipped. So does Layla Fernandez. Uh, she's got a strong family network around her. So that's going to be pretty, uh, pretty key from here. We can't understate the effort of Dylan Alcott as well, winning the Golden Slam. What a remarkable 12 months, 18 months. What a remarkable Australian. A winner and an entertainer in the same breath. And I'm happy to take those any day of the week. You can entertain all you like, but if you're a winner, it's even better. And, yeah, he was sublime today. Uh, His celebration was... (laughs) (laughs) was brilliant. And, you know, got onto Arthur. They wheeled into, into Arthur Ashe. A can of the local product into the trophy. She went, nice big sip. Some went in his mouth, gosh. Some went all the way down his top. <laughs> and the New Yorkers thought, good on you, mate. We love you. We absolutely yeah. love you. So well done to him. Well done to Sam Stoza. Uh, mighty achievement to win the doubles today at 37 years of age. So I salute her as well. No doubt. Yeah, 100%. Good on you, BP. Appreciate your time. Stay safe over there and enjoy watching the grand final from Melbourne. Uh, I'm about to walk past the MCG. It's just oh, the people are everywhere. Goss, now, just very quickly, Grothy and I on tonight, 5 o'clock Perth time. You can listen on the SEN app over in uh, Perth there to the first serve. So we'll take plenty of tennis calls. We do get a few from the West, which is great. So we'll dissect the US Open uh, 5 o'clock your time tonight. The home of Storm Sanders. Appreciate your time, mate. Good on you, BP. Thank you, Goss. Thanks to B Solar, Brett Phillips, uh, 5 o'clock tonight on the SEN app. Of course, the first serve, all things tennis, and they will have it all covered. Don't forget B Solar, where you will never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Learn more about better solar energy by visiting B.Solar. Back to wrap things up shortly. 18 degrees on this gorgeous Monday. We're counting down for what's going to be a big fortnight here in the West. This is Sporting Goss. Western Bulldogs will wear their traditional jumper. They'll wear white shorts. Melbourne, as the home team being through first, will be wearing their traditional blue 
jumper, of course, and the red yoke and the blue shorts. Brownlow medal function will be held here at Optus Stadium Sunday night. Melbourne, Bulldogs, West Coast and Fremantle and any other remaining players in Perth are invited. There will be functions in Adelaide and Queensland, courtesy of Sam Edmund, who's our main mayor.